0: Walt and Kathy Lou, wonderful job Mr. Arthur thank you for coming sharing that with us what a God story man that's exciting exciting to be a part of if you have your Bible we're in the book of Matthew go ahead and find Matthew chapter 5 I know what some of you are thinking right now I can read your mind you're thinking case we're a little bit later in the service we have had extra stuff today please don't get up and preach a full message And I just want to tell you, God has heard your prayers this morning. <laughs> Some of you have prayed more in the last three minutes than you have prayed in a month, and God has heard your prayers. We're going to be quick. we got a lot to cover. We're going to do it in a quick amount of time, so put your uh, boots on and be ready to go, okay? You're relieved. I can see. Now you can take a breath, and we're going to move on. Anybody remember the Susan B. Anthony Dollar? you remember that? Susan B. Anthony Dollar came out in the late 1970s, but it was only in active circulation for two or three years. The Treasury Department tried to push this, this dollar coin, but, but people would not accept it. The people would go to the bank. They wouldn't want the coin. Businesses quit taking the coin as currency, as money. And so they began to interview people, and they asked the question, what do you have against the Susan B. Anthony dollar? And here's what they said. They said, it looks too much like a quarter, It's of the same metal, it's of the same material, it's almost the same diameter, it's only a few millimeters larger in diameter than a quarter. And so they said, we are going to town and we're spending a dollar and we're thinking we're spending a quarter. And so it was eventually taken out of active circulation. But I believe there are a lot of Christians like that today, worth a dollar but they look like a quarter and they're being spent like chump chains in the marketplace. We have all the glories of Calvary. We have all the privileges that come with being children of God, but we do not spend well in the marketplace where people need to see and they need to hear and they need to feel the reality of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, in front of us today, we have the scripture that tells us how to be a part of the world in which we live. How are we to live? How are we to be? How are we to be involved in the world around us? I'm glad you asked that question. Look at Matthew 5, beginning in verse 13. Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. God, we we pray, we come to you, we ask that you will be with us in this short time, that you will challenge us, that you will speak to us through your word, God, and that we will be the salt and that we will be the light. In Jesus' name, amen. What we have in this scripture is the function of the believer in the world. And if I could take this text and summarize it in one word, it would simply be the word influence. We are to be men and women of influence. Influence means that we have the capacity to affect the character, the development, or the behavior of someone else. And I wonder in our lives, who are we influencing around us? Because if we're really honest with each other, the problem is that it's not easy. And at many times, it seems as though it is almost an impossible task before us. That's why Jesus, in praying to the Father in John 17, he says this. He says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one." 1 John 2:15 says, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So in other words, I want you in the world, but I don't want you to love the world. I want you to be a part of the world, but I don't want you to be of the place that you are. And in my life, there's a lot of times that that seems like a very thin line. Does it for you? To be a part of the world, but not to be of the world. Salt, in order to be effective, must be mingled in with the substance it's affecting. Light, to be effective, must be shined upon the darkness. And so when you look at your Bible and you go back to where we've been, look back at verse 2 in Matthew 5, he opens with the Beatitudes. And he says, blessed are the poor and spirit blessed are those who realize that they are nothing spiritually they are bankrupt for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are those who mourn blessed are those who are broken over the sin in their life for they shall be comforted blessed are the meek the ones who are selfless the ones who are not prideful for they shall inherit the earth Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they are the ones who will be satisfied. Blessed are the ones who are merciful, those who realize they have been forgiven much, and so they will forgive others much, for those are the ones who will receive mercy. Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then he jumps right into it, and he says, you are the salt of the earth. You are." the light of the world. You have these characteristics, you have these qualities that make you a citizen of the kingdom of God. You have these blessings that come with being a part of the kingdom of God and now there's also something that is expected of you and that expectation is that you will be the salt and that you will be the light. It reminds me of what we read in 1 Peter chapter 2. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a kingdom, a priest, a holy nation, a people of his own. Why? In order that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You are all these things, and the reason why is so that you can point to God, you can bring Him glory, and you can bring Him honor in your life. Now, the text before us, it presupposes two things. It presupposes, number one, that the world that we live in is decayed, and it is full of corruption. Somebody say amen. We see it all around us, don't we? It presupposes, number two, that the world that we live in is dark, and we see that all around us. And so I just wonder, in my mind, if Jesus is on this hillside, and he is preaching the Sermon on the Mount, and he is preaching about his kingdom, and in the midst of it, he looks around, and he sees so much corruption— And he sees so much darkness, and he sees so much evil, and he sees all of this around him. But then he remembers, he has the agents of hope. He has the agents of healing. And so he calls his his followers, he calls his disciples, and in the midst of all the darkness, in the midst of all the corruption, and he says, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. And I just want to tell you, based upon the scripture and based upon what we see, we live in a time that is dark and that is corrupt. 2012, a man goes into a movie theater for no reason. He kills 12 people and he injures 70 others. A little bit later that year, a man goes into Sandy Hook Elementary School And he goes into this school and he kills 20 children and six staff members. And you see something like that and you think, how could this happen? What drives an individual to do something so dark and so evil? And you turn the news on today or you read the paper. Or you look at the events all around us and there's so much darkness and there's so much corruption that you've got to stand back at times and you've got to say, God, is there not a plan? You ever do that? Do you ever say, God, how does this happen? God, is there not a plan in the midst of all of this darkness? Is there not a plan in the midst of all this evil? And what I want you to see this morning is there is a plan, and not only is there a plan, but you are the plan. What the Bible says is you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. Yes, we live in dark times. Yes, we could spend the next hour and a half talking about how dark the world is, but that's not the focus. The focus is that you and I are to go into the dark world and we are to be the salt and we are to be the light. The problem is this. Instead of influencing the world around us, A lot of times the church is the one that's influenced. George Barnett did a study recently. He wrote a book. It was entitled Growing True Disciples. And one of the points of the book was to see the differences between believers and unbelievers. And so he went uh, deep into the details of people's lives. And this is what he came up with. It is a shocking, saddening reality. And he came to the point that in all practical purposes, there is very little difference in the lives of believers and in the lives of unbelievers. He found that they go and they watch the same movies, they cheat on their taxes in the same ways, they talk to people and they gossip in the same ways, and there's really very little discernible difference between believers and unbelievers. And what Jesus is calling us to do is to be a people who were set apart, to be a people who were distinct, and to be a people who were different. Here's, here's what's tough. For a lot of Christians, their entire Christian life comes down to a Sunday morning for an hour and a half. And that's it. Anybody, have you gone see, to see the Cowboys play in the last couple of years? Nobody, my goodness. I expecting somebody. Let's just say, let's pretend, let's pretend that you take a, a home equity line of credit on your home because it's so expensive. Okay, And you take your family and you go to the football game. Cowboys are doing good this year, right? All right, no Cowboys fans. Y'all wake up a little bit. My goodness, this is going to be a tough 10 minutes. Holy moly. All right, so let's say you take your family, you go out, and you're watching the Cowboys play. And they go out on the field, and they, they stand in a circle, arm around each other, and they just stand there huddled up together. Who's going to get excited about that? That's not why you pay the money, is it? That's not why you come to watch the Cowboys. You come to watch the Cowboys because you want to see them move that ball past the other 11 men on that field. You want to come and see what difference that huddle is going to make on the play that they're about to run. Here's what a lot of times we do in church. We're all about the huddle. Let's get together. Let's huddle up. But we never move the ball. We never run the ball. We never run the play. We come together and we talk about the play. We talk about being the salt. We talk about being the light. We talk about hungering and thirsting for righteousness. We talk about being meek. We talk about being merciful. But we never run the play. You don't watch the cowboys so you can see them huddle. You watch them so that they will run the ball. As a church, our job is not just to come huddle together and sing songs and study the scripture and wait till next week. Our job is to make a difference in the world that we live in. And so the world around us is daring us to do something. So what's the plan? You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before men. It's emphatic. It means you and you only are the plan. Listen, there's no backup plan. You got that? If we're going to expel the darkness and the corruption, it comes down to the church being the church. There's no backup. There's no plan B. There's no, if they don't do it, let's go another route. We are the plan. And the you is plural. Plural. So it's talking about the church body. You ever just ask for somebody to, to pass the salt shaker and you, you reach down and you find one grain of salt? Y'all don't do that. I see you at Mexican restaurants. I mean, you just pour the salt. It's going to kill you. I'm telling you what, you're going to kill yourself eating that much salt. I see the way you do it. And it's not about one. It's about the body of believers coming together and making a difference. Now, let me show you one more thing. <clears throat> he does not say you should be the salt. He does not say, you ought to be the light. If you've heard this this text preached on, oftentimes what you hear is a list of things that you ought to be doing. If you're going to be the salt, you ought to be doing this. If you're going to be the light, you ought to be doing this. But what I find is that in the text, he does not come and say, you really need to be salt. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, you really need to be light. He says, you are the salt and you are the light. I think sometimes we want a performance more than we want a relationship. And so because of that, when we come to church, we want a list of things that I need to do to perform in order to earn a right standing with God. And so every week, there are folks who come in, and it's as if you get a list of things that you're not doing right. And let me add to that list. And there are some of you, you come week after week, and when you leave this place, you feel just beat down. You feel beat down because you feel like you're never good enough. You can never do enough. And and you leave and you're thinking, man, this this Christian life is tough. Can I just make it easy for you? You You know what we're called to do? Be the salt and be the light. And the way that we do that is not by focusing on our performance, but it's by focusing on Jesus. If you want to be the salt and the light, Focus on Jesus, because let me just tell you this. I I can come up here, and I can make you think something about me that's not true. Can I just say, any fool can get up and preach a 20-minute sermon. It's not hard to do. Any fool can do that. You know what's tough? Going home and being a godly husband day in and day out. That's what's tough. What does my wife think about me? She's not here, so I can ask that question today. Don't you ask her, okay? What does my wife think about me when she sees me when I'm in a bad mood, when I'm stressed out, when things are not going good? Does she still see a husband that loves Jesus? What do my kids see? Mason, Maddox, and Kaysen. They see what daddy does at his job. They see what daddy does at church, but what do they see when I go home? Do they still see a daddy that loves Jesus? You see, if you want to be sought and you want to be light, I'm not trying to tell you all this stuff that you need to start doing. I'm just saying, look to Jesus. Focus on Jesus in your life. Do you ever go outside at night and you see the moon, especially when it's just a, a full moon and it's so bright? Do you know what the moon does? It simply reflects the light from the sun. That's what the moon does. It reflects the light From the sun. It does not put off its own light. It's just a reflector. If we're going to be the light, we just reflect Jesus. That's all we've got to do. Just reflect Jesus in your life. I'm not saying come up with a new program, I'm not saying come up with a new task for your life. I'm saying be a man or be a woman that reflects Jesus Christ. Reflect his love. Reflect his mercy. Wake up and focus on Jesus. And if you do that, you will point others to the Lord Jesus Christ. So what's the plan? You are the salt. You are the light. You are the one who is going to make a difference. This is what you are to be. Reflect Jesus because Jesus is the one who said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, I'm not saying we cannot help that. I'm not saying that just because you are the salt and you are the light that you can't be a little brighter. Most of us can. Amen? Most of us can be a little bit more salty. But I'm saying this is what you are according to the Scripture. There should be a distinction between us and between others. Now, let me give you just a few things about salt, and we're going to be done, I promise, okay? First thing, I just think salt's interesting. Did you realize that back in the day of Rome, they paid the Roman soldiers in salt? Did you know that? That's interesting, isn't it? Have you ever heard the saying that someone is not worth their salt? You ever heard that? That's where it comes from, because they were not worth their pay. Salt has always been extremely important in the world. It has been a valuable necessity. So let me tell you a few things about salt, some things that I believe that Jesus has in mind when he tells the people, his followers, that they are to be the salt. Number one, I believe he's talking about purity. I believe he's talking about the fact that they are to be distinct, and they're to be set apart. If you've ever been to the Middle East, it is a, 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 a dark, a, a drab atmosphere, a lot of earth tones. But salt is white. It is pure. It is, it is distinct. And so when someone was work would be working with salt, there would be this big pile of, of whiteness that would be reflecting in the sun. All these dark brown colors and then a pile of, of salt. Something that is different, something that is distinct, something that is pure. As Christians, that needs to be us. Something that's distinct, something that's set apart, something that's different. We're to be the church. In the Greek language, the word church is the word ekklesia, it's It's a compound word. Ek means out of. Kaleo means called. The church are the ones who are called out. The church are the ones who are distinct. The church are the ones who are different. The church is the one who does not do everything that the world does. And I just wonder, in your life currently, are you distinct? Is there a difference in your life, or do you look just like everybody else looks? Are you pure? Are you holy? Are you set apart for the things of God? The next thing I thought of was this. Told you, we're moving quickly. Wake up. The next thing is salt stings a little bit. You ever done that? Have you ever had an open womb? And and you come in and you put some solution that has salt in it because it has these these, uh, medicinal purposes. But when you put that into that open flesh, what happens? Thank you. Ow! It hurts, right? You put it in and it stings a little bit. It doesn't feel good. Now, there's a purpose behind it, but it doesn't feel good at the moment. Do you know that if we're gonna be the salt and if we're gonna be the light, we're going to have to sting the culture a little bit? Here's what we wanna do. We wanna become so watered down. We wanna make sure that we don't offend anyone. So let's just focus on love, And let's just focus on grace, and let's just avoid anything that's difficult. Let's approve of what the world approves of. Let's not talk about sin. Let's not talk about morals. Let's not talk about hell. You may not realize it, but there are churches all over, and they will not say the word hell. They won't do it. There are churches all over. They will not say the word sin. And those churches grow, and they grow, and they grow and they grow. It's what people want to hear. Let me read you a verse out of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It says for we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ unto them that are saved and unto them that perish to the one, we are the savor of death unto death, and to the other, a savor of life unto life. In other words, he says this We are honey to believers, but we are salt to the unbelievers. Here's a question You want to know if you are salty in your life? Can people come up to you and gossip about someone else? Can someone come up to you and begin to put someone else down in your presence? Because if you're salty, that's gonna be a stinging nature and they will not be able to come and do that in your presence. That makes sense? You understand? Can somebody come up to you at the job place and tell a joke that is not clean? You say, well, Case, I'm not the one telling the joke. I'm glad you're not. But if someone can come and stand right in front of you and tell a joke that does not honor and glorify God, then you're not bringing any sting with your witness. Can someone come into your presence and begin to bash someone else, begin to put someone else down? Can they do that or do they know that your character is so high that you will not accept it? Can a friend call you on the phone and begin to talk bad about their spouse? Or do they know that you will not listen to that because it's not pleasing to God? If we're going to be people who are salt and who are light, it means that we have a standard that is going to sting the world around us. Next thing is this. Salt makes you thirsty. Doesn't it? Salt makes you thirsty. That's why salt's in food, because it makes you drink. That's why we have salt in our body. It keeps you hydrated. And this day when folks would travel down the road in their pack, they would have these little salt cubes and they would take and they would put the salt in their mouth and it would remind them to stay hydrated. Even today in sports, this takes place. It's all a matter of staying hydrated. I believe that as believers, as those who are the salt and the light, That we're to make people thirsty. You know what Jesus says he is? He's the living water. I want to tell you, there are people all around us and they are thirsty. They just don't know what's going to quench their thirst. And so there's what they think. If I had a little more money, I wouldn't be so thirsty. If I had a better job, then I wouldn't be so thirsty. If I had a better spouse, I wouldn't be so thirsty. If I had a nicer home, I wouldn't be so thirsty. If I had a better car, if all this stuff, if I had this, that, or the other, I wouldn't be thirsty. But Jesus says the only thing that will quench the thirst is the living water. And it ought to be that when people see my life and people see your life, they begin to get thirsty and they begin to say, I wish I had what they have. I wish I had what they have in their life because they respond totally different than everybody else responds around me. They have a peace that passes all understanding. They have a joy on their heart that is not based upon circumstances. There's something different about them, and I like it. It's making me thirsty. Reminds me of a verse in 1 Peter. It tells us to always be prepared to make a defense. Listen, to anyone who asks you for the reason of the hope that is in you. Be willing to give a defense to the one who comes to you and says, where do you get your hope? In other words, people are inquiring of us. They see the hope that's in us. They see the way that we live and they say, what's different? What's different about your life? And they come and they inquire about your hope. When's the last time someone came to you and said, there's something different about you and I got to know what it is. There's something different about you. I can't put my finger on it. I don't know what it is, but there is surely something different. You have a hope when there ought to be no hope. I don't have hope. I want some hope. Where'd you get your hope from? And so he says, be willing to make a defense when that happened. And the last thing I want you to see is this salt is preserving. In other words, salt can make a huge difference. In the world around us, look, look over to Genesis, Genesis chapter eighteen. I love this text; it really brings this being the salt and light to full focus in front of us. You'll remember God was getting ready to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. There was such evil, there was such wickedness, and God was ready to destroy the city. But God goes to Abraham and He tells Abraham His plan. God tells Abraham the plan, and then Abraham begins to approach God, and he gives a request to God, and that's what we're going to see in Genesis 18, beginning in verse 23. You'll know the text, but let's look at it again. It says, then Abraham drew near, and he said, he's speaking to God, will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? And Abraham answered and said, Behold, I have undertaken a speech with the Lord. I, who am but dust and ashes, suppose five of the fifty righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for the lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find forty-five there. Again he spoke to him and said, Suppose forty are found there. He answered, For the sake of forty, I will not do it. Then he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak suppose 30 are found there he answered i will not do it if i find 30 there he said behold i've undertaken to speak with the lord suppose 20 are found he answered for the sake of 20 i will not destroy it then he said o oh lord not the lord let not the lord be angry and i will speak again But this once, suppose ten are found. And he answered, for the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way, and when he had finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. Do you understand what's happening? Abraham is having a conversation with God, and this wicked city is about to be destroyed. It's so dark, it is so corrupt, it is so evil. And Abraham goes to God and says, God, what if there's only 50 righteous and God says, if there's 50 righteous, I won't destroy it. God, what if there's 45? If there's 45 righteous, I won't destroy it. God, what if there's 30? My kids do this to me sometimes. God, what if there's 30? If there's 30, I won't destroy it. God, what if there's 20, just 20? God says, if there's 20, I won't destroy it. God, what if there's only 10? What if there are only 10 righteous in the whole city? And God said, if there are 10 righteous... I will not destroy it. I wonder how many righteous are in Longview. As the Lord looks down and there's so much darkness and there's so much corruption, and he looks at Longview, I wonder how many there are who are righteous. I wonder how many there are who are permeating society and being the salt and being the light. I wonder how many in Longview there are who are influencing the culture around us. That's what we're called to be. To proclaim the glories of him who has called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That's why we exist. That's why we are here. Let me ask you. How are you being the salt and how are you being the light? You see, in this text, if a few will be salt and if a few will be light, it'll make such a difference. Are you being the salt and are you being the light? Let's pray together. As you bow your head, I want you to think about your life. It's been a quick, quick message but the point is still the same. We are to be men and women of influence. That means at your job place, that means at your school, that means at your home with your spouse, that means in front of your children, that means that you are shining your light and that you are bringing the salt to resist the corruption. And I just wonder, is that true in your life? Here's what I want you to focus on. Every one of us in here, we can probably look at our life and say, I ought to be a little bit brighter. I ought to be a little bit more salty. Here's what I want you to do I want you to commit this morning that you're going to focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. Your task is going to be to reflect Jesus. I'm not giving you a list of things to do, I'm just saying, focus on Jesus. Look to Jesus. Let your heart beat for Jesus. Draw near to Jesus. And I promise you, as you draw closer to Jesus, you will be brighter in your light and more salty in your saltiness. Because the text goes on and says, if salt is not salty, what good is it? It's of no use. You are the salt. You are the light. You are to make a difference. And so focus on Jesus. Reflect the light of the world. Maybe you're here this morning and what you need is you need a church home you need a church home so you can gather with other believers collectively you can be salt and you can be light we'd love for you to come if the Lord's leading you partner with us here at Woodland Hills maybe you're here and you've never been saved, you've never surrendered your heart and your life to the Lord Jesus Christ if he's leading you oh I pray that you'll be obedient to his leading This is a time of response for you to do business with God any way that he so leads you. God, we thank you for this time. Thank you for the way that you speak to us. Thank you, Lord, for the way that you love us. And Lord, I pray that we will be the salt. We will be the light. Lord, I pray that we will shine brightly. We will hold back corruption, God. And we will focus on you just throughout our daily living, God. And that she will be honored, and that you'll be glorified, Lord. That when people look at Woodland Hills, they will see folks who are salty, and folks who are bright. We ask this in your name, Amen. Stand with.